For Your Reconsideration is proudly part of the Flickering Myth Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to For Your Reconsideration, a veritable podcast pawn shop where we take old treasures, shine them up and see if there's anything of value under the dust and the march of Father Time. I'm Rob and it's Simon and James. How are you doing, boys? Good, thank you. Holy original, that one. <laughs> really? I know, yeah, yeah. No silly voices needed. Just some good old-fashioned penmanship. Oh, so you're not making last-minute demands on Simon to change the intro music like you did last week? No, 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 no. I felt terrible, but what a jolly good job. <laughs> what a jolly good job he did. Simon, I don't think you're working hard enough on this podcast. <laughs> yes. This isn't eating into your free time far enough, so... <laughs> <laughs> Find me some music to suit this, please. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, well, lads, how are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Great, mate. Awesome, awesome. Good stuff. How are you? How are you, Rob? Oh, really good, thank you. Yeah, really good. Um, I'm still sponsored by Dragon Soup, so yeah. I've got I'm sure the, they're delighted to know that. They really are. <laughs> are we going to get a share of the uh, the goods, what you're... Uh... The, the, yeah, the yeah. Well, no, they didn't. From the old <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. I'll share. It. Don't worry, boys. Uh, what do they call it in Indian culture? They call a bribe bakshish. I love that word bakshish. You know, and um, you know. So I'll, I'll pass a bit of the bakshish around so that. Sorry, dragon soup aren't bribing me. I'll make that very clear. <laughs> <laughs> it's sponsorship, and it's still imaginary. I think we need to point that out. <laughs> um. Before we go anywhere, boys, I think it's time to talk about, uh, quickly mention we have a competition winner. A few weeks ago we had a comp, didn't we? And we can very excitedly reveal that the DVDs and a can of John Smith's, which let me just check, because it's uh, not quite a Blu-rays, pint. Rob. Blu-rays. You know, oh, yeah, Blu-rays. Blu-rays. <laughs> yeah, we're not giving any old shite away. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm still living in the 20... Oh, well, well, what are those? The noughties! <laughs> still living in the noughties. <laughs> Um, 440 mils of uh, pristinely tinned John Smith and some Blu-rays. <laughs> we'll be going. <laughs> we'll be going to Justin Adleton, who is at the Papster uh, on Twitter. So thank you very much, Justin, for uh, getting involved. You absolutely smashed this. How did he get there? We, well, it was with a, a, an outrageous Bacon score of two. Uh, bacon <laughs> to De Niro via Sleepers, and De Niro to Marty with pretty much everything they've both ever done. So, uh, <laughs> excellent, excellent work. Um, and he even offered that if we really needed to stick it to starring together, uh, Marty and De Niro were both in Shark's Tale. So he has gone that extra mile. Uh, Scorsese's eyebrows were also in Shark's Tale. <laughs> yes, yes. You know, I believe that accounted for, you know, a significant budgetary portion, I believe. Uh... Now, now that's cinema. That, now that is cinema. That is cinema. <laughs> uh, thank you very much, Justin. Uh, thank you very much, uh, everyone who entered. Uh, we'll do another giveaway soon. Um, but yeah, enjoy the DVDs and uh, enjoy washing it. Oh, enjoy the Blu-rays. Enjoy the damn Blu-rays. And enjoy washing it down with Tadcaster's Finest. Um, so we know what the Papster is watching this coming week. But boys, what have you watched this past week? Yeah, um, so I want to shout out Dolomite is my name. Have you guys watched this? The new no, Netflix movie? Not yet. I need to see it. Need to see it. Here oh, it's good though. I heard it's good. It's incredible. So uh, it tells the story of comedian uh, Rudy Ray Moore, who at the age of forty-seven proved naysayers wrong when his hilarious, obscene kung fu fighting alter ego Dolomite became a nineteen seventies black exploitation phenomenon. For uh, phenomenon, even easy for me to say. So. Uh, <laughs> 
it's got an amazing performance from Eddie Murphy, who hasn't been this good since the 80s. He's absolutely phenomenal in it. It really struck a chord with me as it's about the creative struggle as well as being an uplifting story about never giving up on your dreams. And also he says motherfucker a lot, which is great. Uh, It's honestly one of my films of the year and it's on Netflix, so I would urge everyone to give it a watch. Yes, I am nice, desperate nice. to see that. For, oh, Wesley Snipes as well, isn't it? Isn't he? He is amazing. Yeah, uh, he is amazing uh, in the movie. So good. Yeah, really, really, really want to see that. Cool, cool. That's a good. That's a good recommendation. That as well. I'm glad you liked it, though, James. Re- a really good recommendation. Oh yeah, it's it's so good. I, I saw it getting a lot of because um, I didn't know anything about it, and I saw a lot of people on the old film Twitter talking about it and how good it was. So I gave it a spin, and it, yeah, it lived up to all expectations. It was brilliant. Nice, nice. Sai, what has been on your eyeballs? Um, apart from being really, really generic and uh, predictable and watching I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of it. <laughs> right, that is enough. That is it's, enough. So, it's so bad. I don't know why I watch it. <laughs> no, film-wise, um, I caught up with uh, The Old Man and the Gun, uh, so Robert Redford's last acting role i think it think it is oh wow uh, from yes. last year um i i i've been meaning to watch it for ages i had a ticket to go and watch it at the london film festival last year <laughs> but for whatever for whatever reason can't remember i didn't go in the end and i was absolutely gutted um so i've been waiting for it to like to come out so i could get hold of it and, and give it a watch yeah I, I really loved it it's just so like Charm. He's just so charming in it, Robert Redford. He's, he he plays um, an aging bank robber who's been doing it for decades, and he's just a really charming dude who just gets away with it and has got away with it for years. Um, but then uh, Casey Affleck is a is a cop on his tail. It's a true story, apparently, based on a true story. Oh wow, cool! It's amazing. I really, really loved it. I just thought every aspect of it was complete five-star movie. For me, I think I'm quite on the minority of that. I've, I've seen a lot of people not like it. I've seen a few people say it was all right and some people really... I really loved it. I thought it was absolutely amazing. Nice. Really, really I'll definitely it. check that out. Actually, that, that synopsis sounds really cool as well. Is it a yeah. David Lowry movie? Though? Yeah, David Lowry. And, and I really liked his last Ooh. one, the, the one before that as well, the a Ghost Story. Is that good? Because it's been on my watch list for ages and I keep going, no, I'm not in the mood for that. a ghost story is really weird like really original i haven't seen any film like it Mm. and there are some bits what were really surprising in that actually you know going off what the premise of that film is yeah david lowry's on my on my good list i I think he's great really really fantastic how about you how about you rob what have you been watching well i'm feeling the pressure from our you know our new imaginary sponsors um i've really pulled the finger out this week and gone for it so um, if this is about Kevin James again, I no, it's not. Seriously, it's not. Seriously, I I Kev- went to the I went to the cinema. Oh my god! I know exactly. I went to the cinema. Dragon Soup. I went to the cinema. You're, cast, you're casting your voucher. Uh, yeah. I, oh yes, my one yearly trip. Yeah, I cashed it in um, on seeing the Adams Family. Oh, god. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the, safely the best. Bit, <laughs> safely the best bit about it was when I got into the cinema. Um, it was one of these look Odeon Lux cinemas, and all reclino seats and leather yeah, big yeah, yeah. baby chairs. What are they called? Ba- uh, what are them things called? Like a big leather re- reclining chair. 
Uh, I think that's what they're called, aren't they? <laughs> a baby chair. Oh, nice. A love, lovely baby chairs. Um, and uh, yeah, great little table as well. Um, yeah, all really good. So I enjoyed my first trip in a year. It was really good. <laughs> uh, the movie itself was um, uh, eminently forgettable, really, with a, a number of very confused elements. Um, but um, it was just nice to be out of the house. Um, I've also watched um, this week Disaster Artist. You know the um, yes Ooh. James Franco and Dave Franco starring Franco direct James Franco directed um, yeah. Tommy Wiseau um, piece, which. I kind of felt like it ragged on Tommy Wiseau a lot. Have you guys seen it? Yeah. No, no, I know the story of The Room, though. I haven't yeah, seen the yeah. movie. No, I mean, like, what did you think, Sai? It's one of those where I went in to watch it with five-star reviews everywhere, everyone absolutely raving about it, saying how good it was and how funny it was. And I've never really got into this The Room thing. I think it's a no, no. a shit movie. <laughs> That's <laughs> <a> <laughs> Six million dollars worth yeah, of it, though. People, people <laughs> go, people go like all the time to watch it, and you know it's got this massive cult following. Maybe that's why I didn't think it was that great. I thought it was. Oh, it was Franco was amazing in it. I thought Franco was really, really good in it. Both yeah, Francos really actually. Is. Yeah, they're both yeah. really good in it. But aside from that, I just was like, nah, it's all right. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I, I thought Rogan was really good in it as well. Yeah, you know, him Rogan bringing his Rogan shtick to it was ace. But then... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it, the transformation of Franco into Wiseau is amazing. But at the same time, his treatment of Wiseau is sort of... They just laugh at him all the way through until the very end when you go like, hey, look, you've made something that's had an emotional reaction and people are laughing and then it be- suddenly becomes heartwarming or we're expected to feel like it's heartwarming. <laughs> yeah. And it kind of didn't fit that. But I really enjoyed watching it. I also, from there, there's obviously been a touch more Big Bang Theory on season five now. Um, <laughs> but then I also watched, um, where's it gone? Yeah, I actually followed up on a recommendation from months ago on the pod. Oh, brilliant. Uh, oh, I, I watched Free Solo. Oh, oh yes. yes. Hat trick. We've all done Free Solo now. We've all yeah, done it yeah, now, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, we, uh, <laughs> we free solo got there before Vertigo did. <laughs> yeah, that's still unwatched. It's still, still in the cellophane. Yeah, st- <laughs> still, are you still in the cellophane over there? Yeah, you are. Yep, yep. Um, so I, I, I mean, what a great bit of filmmaking it is it's amazing. about an yeah. event that is so out of this world. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. But it got me on YouTube watching other videos of this guy, uh, Alex Honnold, his name is The Climber. Yeah. And I found one where he's watching uh, climbing sequences in Hollywood films and deciding which ones are rubbish and unrealistic and which ones are actually really good. All right. Would you care to say what he said was no good and what he said was good? I'm going to guess what he said was good was Vertical Limit. <laughs> that that was actually picked out as one of the absolute worst. Oh. Like he said, this is this this would no way ever happen. Vertical you know, Limit he said, this is, is ridiculous. on my list for this pod imminently. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. prepared. <laughs> oh my God, that he, film is amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would guess that he said Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible 2 was a good one. Yeah, absolutely right. He said, yeah. uh, everything Cruise is doing here is legit. He actually said as well, when he went up there, he went up there climbing himself and he found all the... He was obviously without a rope. <laughs> but yeah, he found yeah, all the, yeah, yeah. The, the the plastic, you know, the pitons and stuff like that, which crews yeah, use yeah, yeah. for filming. You know, they're all still oh, up wow. there. 
Wow, yeah, cool. he said that um, no, all the moves are you know they're a bit OTT, but all the stuff is dead legit. He kept saying, "Oh yeah, legit, legit." <laughs> he even said that it was rad as well, you know. So I assume that means it's good. He said the only thing that was over, you know, really over the top about it was that they. You know, they fired him a message out of a rocket which had some sunglasses in, <laughs> which then blew up. <laughs> he said, you know, aside from that, everything's fine. This is wholly um, unrealistic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, he said the absolute benchmark was Star Trek V when, um, <laughs> when Shatner is climbing up some massive... I don't know where he's climbing, but he said that the holds are really realistic and it's actually quite quaint and nice to see. Did he have any thoughts on Cliffhanger? Uh, yeah, he... he it was weird, this one, because I expected him to go deep on Cliffhanger, but they only focused on the ice climbing up an ice wall. Oh, and he right, said, yeah. he said, this is just completely ludicrous. You'd be dead within seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted, you know, a bit of the start and all the, you know. Yeah, but yeah. what he did say is that in these movies, and he particularly pointed out Vertical Limit, that um, sometimes, you know, when they focus in, you know, the equipment that breaks... Yeah, you yeah, know, like yeah. the There's the that yeah, yeah, carabiner yeah. that snaps or the little buckle or whatever. Yeah, that shot. Yeah, he said always in those shots you can always see what the make and model of the instrument is. So it's like they've rung up the manufacturer and said, "Hey, can we have this in the film?" But they don't know that it's actually going to be costing lives <laughs> in the course of the film. So like, apparently, sales for one of the you know in Vertical Limit, one like little buckle broke. Yeah, like sales for that buckle just plummeted. You know, he was like, "But the buckle was fine. It was just." <laughs> because it was in that movie it's just everyone assumed it was rubbish it was just because Chris O'Donnell was using it incorrectly <laughs> yeah yeah I, di- I didn't realise that's what happened in that film spoiler alert but doesn't he cut out, cut his dad's belay line and send oh, him to his death that, yeah that's the opening <laughs> opening sequence uh, he, to save him and his sister he, he kills his dad oh god it's so good. that is I mean what a what do they call it Hobson's choice well, Sophie's choice. Sophie's and, uh, choice. Yeah, but uh, I think um, you can also call it a Hobson's choice. I think, but um, uh, but that's a bit of knowledge of uh, Lancashire plays <laughs> coming forward. There, <laughs> Sophie's choice is a safer one for a film podcast. I think. Um, yeah, Catch Twenty Two. That's the other one. Uh, anyway, anyway. Um, so, so uh, yeah. thanks for listening to this edition of Rockcast. <laughs> <laughs> Chrissy's uh, tangents. These I tangents. know, I love them, I love them. And, and you guys listening out there, we know you love them too. Um, right, um, some TV news um, got me really buzzing this week, and this will key into a little uh, question I've got for you boys, but Apple TV have announced they're making a TV show based on Mick Heron's uh, staggeringly good Slough House series of um, spy thrillers, with Jackson Lamb, the main role to be played by Gary Oldman. I urge anyone out there, this has excited me so much because these are some of the best spy books I've ever read. But it got me thinking about TV and film book adaptations because today's movie is also essentially a book adaptation. I so, didn't know that. I didn't know it was. I know, I, I know, yeah. No one ever thinks about it. I, like, oh, about I it. didn't realise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's um, without giving away the you know the name of the film... Because I know how excited you all are. It's um, it, it, Michael Crichton was. It's you know, and looking back at Michael Crichton's body of work, like so much of it's been made into films. Yes. Um, so I was going to ask you guys, what what like um, book to film at slash TV adaptations have you really enjoyed or really not enjoyed? And let's add the little proviso there. You know, I'm a firm believer that graphic novels also come under the book bracket, but let's not go into comic book territory. Let's keep because they're novels. not cinema. <laughs> Fair point. Exactly Fair point right, <laughs> says Martin. <laughs> um, 
And but we got to make sure, you know, for the purposes of this daft exercise, that we've read the book and seen the film. So you know, yeah. like for example, I've I you know I really like Sands of the Lambs, but I know it's based on Thomas Harris's book, but I've never read the book. So good rules, good rules. Yeah, you got to have rules in this. You got to have rules. I have so so many to mention. I'll like reel off a few which I do like. Um, love the Blade Runner book. Do androids dream of electric sheep? Uh, Philip K. Dick. Fight Club. Chuck Palahniuk. Love both the film and the book. I think they're both as good as each other. American Psycho is another one. Uh, Brett Easton Ellis's book. But then I, I think my like absolute, absolute favourites, and it's kind of cheating because it's two. It's, it's one book with a series of novellas in it from Stephen King. And it's uh, The Body and Shawshank Redemption. So The Body was then turned into Stand By Me, which is one of the best sort of coming-of-age films. And Shawshank Redemption is just one of the best films ever made, isn't it? Yes. What about you, James? Yeah, so um, I had American Psycho on my list as well. That's cool. Because that's such a... Would have been such a difficult book to adapt. Mm. Uh, that that film does a fantastic job of it. Uh, some other notable mentions as well. Uh, the Mist is oh, a fantastic adaptation. Oh, that, I've not read the book, the movie. Yeah, I've not read the book. Love the film. The, the, it's, uh, the book's, uh, again, it's part of a series. Uh, I can't remember the collection that it is. Yeah, someone, it's a short, someone isn't it? Someone shout it's it out to me on Twitter mm. and then because I, uh, <laughs> I can't look it over the moment. Uh, but yeah, um, it's a short story. It's a novella uh, and the novella's great. The movie's great. Yeah, really, really good. Jurassic Park, obviously, oh, given yeah. tonight, is a great oh, adaptation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, but my absolute favourites are when directors and the screenwriters take the essence of the book but make it their own. So they stay true to the spirit of the book, but they sort of go off and do their own thing. I don't want to see a, just a retread of the novel on screen, mm. particularly if I've already read yeah, it before yeah. seeing the film. So uh, so for that reason, the two best adaptations for me are Train Spotting and The Shining. So oh. what they do is they boil down the essence of what those books are about or they find the through line within that and then they make their own movies. So Trainspotting is very much a Danny Boyle movie and obviously The Shining is very much a Stanley Kubrick movie. So they're my two favourite adaptations. And you can read the books as totally separate entities. They yeah. cover some of the same ground, but it's totally different experience. Yeah, yeah. But all we all feels natural to that. Uh, I know that Stephen King hates Stanley Kubrick's version of The Shining, but <laughs> I, they're both good. They're both yeah. good, so you can yeah. enjoy them both equally. L- that's it. Like we were saying, like a <laughs> like, companion yeah. piece, like an expansion. Yeah, yeah. Just you know, if you like, <clears throat> if you like this universe and you like these characters, you're probably going to like what we've done here. Yeah. You know that mm. kind of thing. Mm. Although I did always agree with King where he said uh, there's no character arc for Jack Nicholson in The Shining because he's crazy as <laughs> a shit out rat from the get. <laughs> <laughs> It really is the uh, the because Stephen King ended up adapting his own series, didn't he? Because he was like, can't fit it. He all did, in a yeah, film. yeah. And I think it's yeah. on Netflix. I'm pretty sure is it's it? on Netflix. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. that'd be ace. Oh. I've never seen it. I found the book a bit like hokey and a bit, uh, you know, yeah, 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 just yeah. A, I get what you mean. Yeah there, yeah, there were certain bits in it where I was like, well, that's really cheesy and not at all frightening. <laughs> like the uh, yeah, is it the fire hose? What kind of turns into a snake? 
Yeah, and the uh, is it the lawn the lawn sculptures that yeah come the to to- life the and to- stuff like that yeah it's a proper haunted hotel <laughs> yeah, isn't it yeah. like it's in like the book, a lion yeah. turns it in so <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. when you said the word topiary it, it removed any kind of sense of fear that I had for what you're talking about topiary cannot no be scary. no I get what you say I like them both equally but I can, um, but they're very different mm. they are very very well. different yeah very different absolutely oh, that, interesting I think. Um, because again, because we follow got the, have the criteria of got to see the movie, got to see the book for the purpose of the discussion. You guys are really well read at you know at this. I've not read any of that stuff. Um, I, the The Godfather's really good. Puzo's book really good. Translated to a really good movie. But whether it's you know different enough, James. You know, like you were saying, like yeah, if I've yeah. already immersed myself, like I'd like to see something a little bit different. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, I loved um the girl with the dragon tattoo. The the first book uh, by Stig Larsson. Um, yes. and I loved the Fincher movie. The, fin- the, the Fincher, Fincher one. Is- yeah i agree I, I like the um you know the original um foreign language version but yeah I, again i just think the fincher one is just beautiful absolutely amazing matilda's great um i have a really oh, big oh yeah what a good shout that is yeah matilda oh, it's so good um because that takes the the visual punch of the book yeah and gives it yeah you know and on top of that it was directed by Danny DeVito, Danny DeVito. So. and he's in it and he's so good yeah. in it he's well. so good at it yeah <laughs> absolutely like, amazing the, the, it's the only one I think what like in terms of Roald Dahl film adaptations what really captured the essence of ro- what Roald Dahl you're wrote absolutely about. right mate yeah it's a total yeah. triumph actually and it's cast it's cast perfectly yeah, as well yeah there are some good ones like the witches is good, but really terrifying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. fuck that movie. That's too scary. So, but do you know, like, so it, that kind of like gets the horror of what because Roald Dahl is a dark writer for kids, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but it, it it misses all the humor. It's just really scary. <laughs> yeah, it's a curio that one for me. The witches movie um, from the director of Don't Look Now. So it's not that it's not it? that surprising. That it's super <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Weird decision making. <laughs> Uh, I've got a massive soft spot for John Grisham's The Client and The Client Movie starring Brad Renfro. Um, I, I, d- I don't know why, but I think it was one of the first legal thrillers I ever read and seeing it on screen was cool. Um, what about A Time to Kill? Do you like no, that as well? No, not seen the movie. You've not seen McConaughey. the movie? Oh, no, is that no. McConaughey? Yeah, I'm McConaughey and Samuel L. Jackson. Samuel L. Jackson, yeah. Yes, they deserve to die, and I hope they burn in hell. Oh, oh, that's great. That's you know, great. Worryingly, I know the quote, but now I yes. know where the quote's from. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, The Lovely Bones, Alice Seabold's novel and Peter Jackson's movie, um, he did a really great job of putting that novel on the screen, actually. So, yeah. Oh, I don't, I don't know if I agree with that. Ooh. No, that's great. No, this is yeah, good. This yeah, is yeah, good. yeah. Do you not fight, think, no, fight, that's fine, fight. man. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. No, I, I thought it was. It's a, again, it's a really difficult book Cut, to adapt. Yeah. And tough subject matter. Very, very tough. But I, I just, um, it would have been better if Ryan Gosling hadn't left the film. I think I haven't seen the film or read the book, so I have no uh, input on this. Uh, yeah, yeah, no idea. No idea. The book's really is really quite a tough read in places, and then... it, it, it is hard going. Yeah. that. but my absolute yeah. favourite is To Kill a Mockingbird. Harper Lee's sixty-two. Oh, so um, good. Sorry, Harper Lee's book turned into a sixty-two movie. Peck um, cast as Atticus Finch is just 
It's one of the great cinema, cinema performances ever, but one that took the character direct from the page and he's inhabited it and become mm. it. And it's just perfect. I just think it's absolutely perfect. It is, it is. Now, can I ask very cheekily, we've gone through the ones we like. What about ones you don't think work? Um, the, I'm going to give this a shout out for my friend uh, Rob, who listens to the podcast. Hi, Rob. How are you doing? Because <laughs> we're, we're both... Uh, we're both of the opinion that this is one of the worst films we've ever seen at the cinema, and it's Dreamcatcher, which is a Stephen King adaptation. <laughs> yes, yes. But of a book that he doesn't even really rate, because I think he was recovering from a massive motor vehicle accident when he wrote it. Oh, dear. And then it got picked up by uh, Lawrence Kasdan, you know, who'd written yeah, yeah, Empire yeah. Strikes Back and Raiders of the Lost Ark. He directed it. Morgan Freeman's in it, as is Damian Lewis and Tom Jane of this parish. Yeah, yeah. Welcome back, Tom James. <laughs> Always welcome. It's 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 just not very good. It's not very good. <laughs> I'll never forget my dad watching it on holiday. Uh, sorry, reading it on holiday. The yeah. book, you know, and it's a weighty tome. That you know, that is a yeah, big is, old yeah, book. Yeah. And he came down one one morning after breakfast, you know, and, and he just put put the book down and said, "Hmm, shit, weasels." Apparently <laughs> <laughs> well, that's in the book. Also, you know, yeah, they, yeah, I can verify that. Yeah, is that yeah. right? You know, he just yeah. he was not sold on it at all. Excuse the French, uh, but it's um, yeah. Uh, Sai, what about you? Have you had any that didn't hit the mark for you? The only one that jumps out where I don't think it was anywhere near as good as the book. It's not a bad film though. This is how it, it's kind of harsh to say it. Yeah, but, it's because um, you, pa- you we're, we're cheekily looking at two properties, aren't we? Essentially yeah, here. Um, but I think purely for a spoilery reason was was Gone Girl because you read read the book and that turn in the book just knocked me for six. Yeah, it's amazing. I was like, yeah, what? The, is that amazing, is amazing. Did not see it coming, blah blah. And as good as the film, uh, you know, the film is made really well, and as good as yeah. job of you know Fincher does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every shot is amazing, and the acting's amazing, and, and all that. But it just loses the impact because you know that twist, like you you know what's coming. So and you're expecting it that whole first half of the movie you're expecting it to come and yeah it just didn't it just did not do it for me the the gone girl film in that sense yeah i thought um the book itself um i don't know uh, from what i get from you both there immediately when you mentioned the book you both lit up you know like the book was like that was the first time in a long time i felt like this is a blockbuster novel Mm. you know it's it's just so well composed well paced well portrayed and played it felt like just the most elite level entertainment yeah yeah and um the 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 movie was excellent in in every way yeah, yeah. it just couldn't capture the absolute yeah. outstanding eliteness of the book i think i think when you know that turns coming as well if you went into that movie cold and didn't know that turn was exactly. coming mm. exactly. halfway through the movie it had knocked you on your ass yeah you're probably right like, yeah. maybe we're not the right people to ask because we'd read the book first yeah. you know yeah, um, definitely. I really like that. I really like that movie, but I take your point. Like, I was just like, oh, when I was watching the film, I was like, I really wish I didn't know what was coming. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, no, yeah. not a, it's <laughs> yeah. only because that's the only one what comes to mind in terms of one where I almost wish I hadn't have read the book, like, or yeah. I could erase my memory of reading the book, and it would have been, you know, yeah, it's such a key part of the whole thing and the whole experience of yeah 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 reading that book and yeah my my brother had seen the film and never read the book and he was just like 
outstanding. That you know that twist was absolutely yeah. Brilliant. That, no, so, I amazing, mean, yeah. that kind of level of storytelling will probably translate to whatever medium is hitting you very hard when you yeah, first yeah. experience it. Yeah, I know. I, I, actually, boys, that was a highbrow discussion for us. It I was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a, a, a slightly funny story about uh, watching Gone Girl at oh, the cinema. Us. So me, me and my wife went to see it, and uh, we were watching it. And uh, after that horrible thing happens to Neil Patrick Harris in the movie, oh, uh, and then she has to, uh, and then I don't want to give anything away because if you haven't seen it, you should really see it. Yeah, it um, is very good. Yeah, Amy has to do something with a uh, with a champagne bottle. Do you remember this? Scene? Yes. Oh, yes. yes. And this old woman had been sat in there, and she'd been getting more and more like uncomfortable throughout the film. At that point, she just went, "Right, time to go." <laughs> <laughs> That's like two hours into the film as it's well. Right, it's right. She really <laughs> stuck it out. She's really stuck minutes. it out. <laughs> that was the oh, straw bless. that broke the camel's back, so to speak. Well, you know, it would for most people, I feel. Uh, but uh, what lovely discussion, gents. Um, so going I thought on I had from- to bring the tone down slightly, you know. <laughs> What's your favourite film of all time? It might be a sophisticated classic a childhood favourite, or an enjoyable pile of trash you just can't help but watch over and over again. The Pick of the Flicks podcast, hosted by me, Tom Beasley, is all about celebrating people's favourite movies in whatever form they take. Each week, I interview a different guest about their chosen favourite, whether I agree with their choice or think they're as mad as one of Tom Hardy's accents. So tune in to Pick of the Flicks every week on the Flickering Myth podcast network and subscribe with your podcast app of choice. Maybe your favourite film will be next. Um, we've been um, obviously they're talking about movie adaptations that either went well or unlatterly what didn't go so well. Let's stick to the theme of adaptations that didn't go so well <laughs> with tonight's movie. <laughs> I and thus concludes this episode of. <laughs> <laughs> I am so excited since we announced and uh, not announced since we. Um, talked about doing a podcast about movies that were underloved and let's get them back on this has been i i mean episode 25 i could have gone with this from episode one um <laughs> so let's dive straight in with the log line for what a masterpiece when a communications expedition to the african congo ends in disaster a new team comprised of a terrible gorilla puppet the most mid-90s man you'll ever see tim sesame cake curry winston from ghostbusters and an academy award nominee is assembled to find out what went wrong without remorse apology or regret it's 1995's congo is that the official logline on the back of that the is director? not <laughs> Sadly, it is not. I felt it needed a little more zip um, and to be a little bit more true to what actually goes on. Actually, you know, I mean, I've I've gone into Congo deep dive mode this week and looked at all sorts. But I think I've actually found someone with a hotter take than that. The Twitter user Seance um, <laughs> said on November 16th, so like literally this week, Congo is just a movie about how 20 people were savagely murdered by killer gorillas in Virunga because a doctor tried to take his gorilla home because she wanted to get ploughed. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we could have gone with either. We could have gone with either. (laughs) 
race for the world's most advanced communications technology. A shocking discovery has been made. What was that? Lock your remote. Give me a thermal reading result to 6-6. It will take two young scientists into the heart of the African jungle. A secret hidden for 2,000 years holds the key to the future. This is Karen Ross, 81452 Houston, do you read? You used to work for the CIA, and now you're travel cool. Some will come to it for science. This is a big deal, Charles. This is a big find. Some for fortune. A diamond mine of incredible bounty. And some to return home. She doesn't really belong anywhere, does she? No, she belongs here. Together, they will search. My boss, he thought I wasn't going to make it. He sent another expedition. Drawn deep into a mystery. Camp destroyed, people dead, a gray gorilla. No such thing as a gray well, gorilla. I saw one. And the more they discover... Same hieroglyphics over and over. The greater the danger. What do they say? We are watching you. Saw any animal move like that. Shoot it! Shoot it! How intelligent are they? See, they're smart. They're too damn smart. Watch out! Go! We're getting out of here. What about them? Put them on the endangered species list. From the best-selling novel by the author of Jurassic Park. The myth of the killer ape is true. Congo, where you are the endangered species. Yeah. Well, have you guys seen this movie before? I have, yeah. Uh, this was uh, much like Waterworld a couple of weeks back. This was a mid-90s VHS treat. <laughs> Uh, well, treat tri- might not be the option. <laughs> Stay with your original assessment, James. You know? This was the uh, first time that I'd like ever sort of been cognizant of being let down by something that I was really excited about. You know, like in terms of, so it was always a treat to get. Like your mum or dad would get you a video out of the video shop, wouldn't they? And I would have been maybe just about 12 when this came out or 11. So, you know, a bit of a treat, you know. Yeah. We'll watch Congo at home, so I'm watching it. I'm just like, I didn't enjoy it as a child. Oh, no. And I remember like like when I when I went to my dad and he went, oh, what did you think of it? He didn't watch it with me. And he was like, I was like I'm sorry, dad. I just, I just didn't like it. Like he directed it. It's <laughs> 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 like, I, I didn't make it. I don't care. Like, <laughs> but the, uh, so I went in with quite low expectations this time around. So we'll see how... <laughs> Uh, my feelings may have changed yeah (laughs) Uh, what about you say well i think the only reason i was interested in this as a child well i would have been nine or ten when this came out Mm. uh was because winston from ghostbusters was in it (laughs) yes because because when you're that age the most important thing in the world is ghostbusters i I think is there a ghostbuster in the movie Please, can I have that film to watch right now, please? <laughs> uh, having done the rewatch, remember the start and the end, the middle, couldn't re- you know, that's completely lost. So, they, so it was like watching it for the first time again. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think um, 
if I could condense why I picked it tonight, um, I love a creature movie. So anything that's got, you know, um, movies and, and, you know, I suppose stories are all about escapism for me. They always have been. But, um, yeah, like a, a mad killer gorilla movie in the Congo was going to be attractive to me as a kid just as, mu- as much as it is now. The fact that it was written by the creator of the Jurassic Park world obviously caught my interest as a young boy. I remember my mum and dad let me have, um, uh, they let me read the original Jurassic Park novel uh, when I got to high school in 94. So they didn't let me read it in 93 when, you know, when I was 10 and the movie came out. They said, you're going to have to wait till you go to high school because for all the good that year did, you know, in my maturity between 10 and 11. <laughs> so when it came, I've got it here, let me grab. It arrived and it is right here. It's a double edition volume. Jurassic Park and Congo in one go. <laughs> so, which one's the first book in that? In sorry, that, so, no. Which yeah. one comes first in the in the book? Well, the one with the big Hollywood logo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Jurassic Park, oh. and then after talk about after the Lord Mayor's show. <laughs> <laughs> Afterwards, you can go straight into Congo. So you know, obviously, I did. Um, it's not as good as Jurassic Park, but then few things in my mind ever will be. Uh, but obviously, like I actually really like Crichton's writing. He's one of my absolute yeah, favourites yeah. of all time. So I've got loads up there. Um, and incidentally, Andromeda Strain could have been one of the ones we talked about, really good film adaptations from um, great books. Um, but up there as well, there are some real misfires up there as well. Timeline James, I know you famously struggled with that one. I'd just say it wasn't my cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, disclosures up there as well, you know. He's he's and so much of his work, like we were saying before, has been transposed to cinema. Um, this one though, I just there's something so lovably terrible about it <laughs> that I can't yeah. help but enjoy it, and I still think that anyone could get some enjoyment out of this. So I really wanted it to come back to see whether we can get this get this unloved movie, get this. Un- unloved communications diamond, uh, some uh, <laughs> some more affection. <laughs> so can I can I therefore ask a couple of questions, James? Do you have a budget on this? I've stayed shy of this, so I just don't know anything. So let's tell me, tell me. Despite the fact it looks like it cost about twenty quid, <laughs> fifty million dollars to make ooh, this movie, ooh, ooh. and it grossed one hundred and fifty-two million uh, worldwide, which is pretty good. Pretty the good. public right. does not lie. <laughs> I suspect a lot of the marketing was Jurassic Park based. Yeah, yeah, from the writer of Jurassic yeah. Park. <laughs> and uh, Kathleen Kennedy produced it as well, didn't she? So she, she did. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, in fact, I saw a, um, a v- French VHS today that said uh, it, uh, I could only read one word on the cover, and it just said Jurassic Park. It's like literally on the cover of Congress. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was something like you know, for people who enjoyed Jurassic Park, this is. Congo. <laughs> they were right there. Uh, <laughs> so it did all right at the box office then. Well, yeah, good. Oh, yeah. Smashed Profitable. it. Smashed it. Um, and so it can't have qualified there, <laughs> Simon. <laughs> would you like to tell me how it was critically received? How else would it have qualified? I, I don't <laughs> Yeah, very good point. Considering <laughs> it absolutely smashed it. Yeah. Uh, it's a, It's got a, oh, it's a stinker. Uh, 
Is this the worst one we've done in terms of the Rotten Tomatoes score? I don't score? know. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes is 22%. It's certainly <laughs> like bottom three, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. One of the listeners, let us know what the uh, poorest reviewed film we've done. We can't be bothered looking it up ourselves. Yeah, uh, yeah, tell us. At, tell at us. FYRpod on Twitter and uh, reconsiderpod yeah. at gmail.com. Give us a shout. Let us yeah, know. Yeah, please. Yeah. Um, See, so, like, yeah. Point it out to us because my memory is awful. Um, I think. Ev- I think every week I say, I think this is the lowest one we've done, and I don't. I, don't, I have no idea. It really shows the caliber of movies we're picking here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, audience isn't much better on Rotten Tomatoes. Twenty nine percent. So like a double. Wow. This is low. Of, of this low is low. Um, <laughs> Metacritic also twenty two percent, but a slightly higher. That above average user score at five point nine out of ten. So you know, bit higher, oh. bit higher there. Uh, oh. Do we bother go letterbox two point three? I always write down the middle every single time. <laughs> However, Mick LaSalle reviewed it. Yeah, of course he has. <laughs> yes, get in there, Mick. He cancelled his vacation plans to come and go to the premiere of Congo in nineteen ninety-five. Of course he did. The last few weeks, you know, the, the, there are some episodes where only two of us could make it. Sometimes I was yeah. working late. Sometimes Rob was uh, too busy plotting to come the next jigsaw. Um, <laughs> Mick LaSalle never lets us down. Uh, no. He reviewed this. Um, he's, he's the one constant. He reviewed this uh, one out of four. Um, that was his original score. Uh, a particular highlight from Mick's review. As you stand there with your $7, this was obviously a while ago, ask yourself, do I really want to see a rubber gorilla smoke a cigar? Yes. (laughs) If that's necessary, ask yourself twice. (laughs) (laughs) He, I mean, he always brings the goods, doesn't he? He always brings the goods. He's a very witty writer. Although as cutting and obscure as he can be, where he gives... (laughs) Yes. Five stars. And, uh, <laughs> hates well, he'll always be the guy who gave click five stars. <laughs> you don't you don't want that on your tombstone. <laughs> um, he does a podcast, does Mick. Um, oh, my word. I, I know. Can we get him on? We've got to try, haven't we? We've got, we've got to I mean, try. Let's, right, we'll all make a, a pact, you know, as if that's necessary. We'll just agree to try. <laughs> let's just do keep it. tweeting at him until he blocks us. Mick, we're obsessed with you. <laughs> Yeah, I think we need to we need to try and get Mick on here um, to tell us, you know, tell us firsthand what he thinks. <laughs> That's what I'm interested in. Um, so, it, I was looking at um, the pedigree behind this film. Oh, it's incredible! It's yeah. absolutely unbelievable. So, this is directed by Frank Marshall, who isn't as well known for directing, but is arguably one of the most successful producers of all time. (laughs) So he has producer credits on all three of the Indiana Jones movies. Yes, I said three. (laughs) Uh, Back to the Future franchise, the Bourne franchise, Gremlins, The Sixth Sense, The Goonies, Poltergeist, Jurassic World franchise. So he's doing all right. And last year he was uh, the winner of the Irving G. Thalberg Memorial Award uh, for 2019 for the Academy. So that's given to producers whose body of work reflects a consistently high quality of motion picture production. So Annie's married to Kathleen Kennedy, who is no slouch in the producing yeah, uh, yeah, areas. Yeah. <laughs> so talk about a power couple. Mm, but I mean, uh, yeah, seriously. directing is less stellar. He's best known. 
He's best known for for this arachnophobia alive, which is where that Uruguayan rugby team had to, crashed in the mountains and had to eat each other. And uh, the poor, the late Paul Walker starring Eight Below about yes. him and some huskies. So, there is. <laughs> so he's, I mean, his directorial choices have been quite varied. Let's say. <laughs> Is it like a case of last minute standing? It really looks like that. Do you me. think so? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, oh, it's so interesting. I'm, I, I don't know whether you know the allotted time we we try to condense these episodes into is going to be enough. I, I, this might be our first double feature, double header. You know, have, tune in next week for more chat about Congo. <laughs> But we're talking pedigree. So, Rob, you were talking pedigree. Yeah. This movie is also written by John Patrick Shanley, yes. who won an Oscar in 1988 for Moonstruck and was nominated again for adapting his own play, Doubt, in 2008. Now, I don't know if you guys have seen Doubt, but it's a super serious drama starring Meryl Streep, uh, Streep and Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yes, yes, I remember that one. About a Catholic priest who gets accused of... Yeah. Uh, he may or may not be a paedophile, hence doubt. There's doubt. Yeah. Uh, if you told me that the writer-director of that film had also written Congo, I'd think you were deluded. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he also won a Pulitzer. For Congo. <laughs> not for Congo. <laughs> I think the main shock here is that it wasn't for Congo. You know, uh, I don't know what he won it for, but I know I know he's won a Pulitzer. Um, yeah, that's ridiculous. Um I read uh, cinematographer. Yeah, so the cinematographer is Alan Davio. I think that's how you say that. He'd shot uh, such minor classics as E.T., The Colour Purple, and Empire of the Sun for one Steven Spielberg. Uh, and he's been nominated for an Oscar five times. Not for this, unsurprisingly. <laughs> he was robbed. He was robbed. <laughs> <laughs> The film was scored by Jerry Goldsmith, who's been nominated for an Oscar 18 times, <laughs> winning one. Surely if this was going to get nominated for an Oscar, it would be in the score department. Yeah, there was no Oscars for Jerry on this particular uh. occasion. <laughs> but he did win one for The Omen, and he's also scored uh, classics such as Alien Total Recall and LA Confidential. Oh. So again... I mean, the pedigree of this film is incredible. It's outrageous, isn't it? It is totally <laughs> outrageous. And Ernie Hudson. And Ernie Hudson. I need to ask, because I, I think, you know, we're going to talk about the movie itself, the main beats in a minute, but how no one won a Best Supporting Actor Oscar on this film, <laughs> I just don't know. I, I, just, I haven't got a clue. I really don't. Well, it got it got nominated for seven Razzies, Rob. So there was some awards consideration. Yeah, it, it also won a Saturn for best sci-fi, you know, action film of the year. Wasn't it? <laughs> you know, this this film is dividing opinions, and I love it. But that is you're talking Hollywood royalty have made this. It's you know, ridiculous. It's yeah, absolutely unbelievable. There's hitters, no yeah. way this should have failed. There's just no and way. And yet, and here yet. we are. <laughs> You know there must be trouble somewhere in paradise if you end up on the FYR film podcast. <laughs> but uh, so I mean, because I, I, I want to dive into so many bits here. Should we just do a quick run through of the movie and then let's freewheel it? I, I've got a yeah, right. Yeah. Um, Sai, you watched it very very recently, didn't you? As in, like today. Is that right? Uh, yes, I watched it just before recording, um, just to refresh the old memory. Do, do you want to do you want to give us a little rundown on what actually goes on here? Oh, jeez! So there's a failed expedition uh, in the in the jungle. With... Uh, sorry, mate, I really stuck you in it then. No, no, totally, it's fine. I haven't wrote if this is this is all ad libbing. Let's see how long this goes on. Excellent. For. Uh, so Bruce Campbell, old Ash himself, is in the jungle. 
on an expedition to find diamonds for a big media communications company who believes the future is in diamonds. That's never really fleshed out, is Not it? We don't really, really know. Just, you just kind of know, like, you just kind of, it, it's just an excuse to bring Tim Curry, isn't it? It's a MacGuffin. Yeah, yeah. it's just oh, an excuse don't. to bring so, so uh, that expedition comes a cropper, um, and then we are introduced to a scientist uh, who has developed this <laughs> this means of um, it, it's basically research, isn't it, for um, deaf people to yeah. When they sign, they could, um, the, a machine maps their movements so that they're yeah. able to it vocalizes their sign language and, uh, essentially. James, you actually, you know, explained it more coherently than the film than did. Than the film so. did, yeah. <laughs> well done, yeah. And it's being tested on a gorilla called Amy, um, who... <sighs> we'll get, most vi- we'll MVP, most valuable primate. Most valuable <laughs> uh, And they, as Rob pointed out before, she basically wants to bang at this point, so she wants to go home... <laughs> To the Congo. I didn't uh, point that out. That was Seance on Twitter. Seance, just spot on. And then uh, Laura Linney, <laughs> who is part of the, uh, she's an ex, is she ex CIA or something? Oh, um, who knows? And she, <laughs> you know, it's kind of loosely touched upon that she has a, she has had history with old Bruce Campbell. So and she why goes, ever not? Yeah, so she, oh, he, he's a dish. He's a dish in oh. this, actually. He's very. He's, he really yeah, is. Leading man material. Such a shame he gets iced in the first. Five minutes. Um, <laughs> cheeky bit of trivia on old Bruce. He actually uh, auditioned for the role of uh, Doctor Elliot, but was uh, was not given that role because mm. he obviously didn't have enough chemistry with the primates. So <laughs> <laughs> being killed by them in the in the cold open. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So yeah, Laura Liddy uh, piggybacks on the this trip, the scientist trip to the Congo, who is funded. Yeah. Uh, who's that fund? Who's that trip funded by? Herkama uh, Hermolka. <laughs> the opening twenty minutes, oh, it's, it's just an introduction to this very strange eclectic mix of characters. Uh, yeah. The best of which is, of course, Tim Curry. <laughs> is that- right. I, how Hermolka? <laughs> oh, can we just right. he's after the lost city of Minge I mean <laughs> that, is, that is not accurate that is not right can I can I just right have you ever heard someone love the role as much as this <laughs> right formerly of Romania free now of the chains of Ceausescu travelling the world doing good you may call me Mr. Homolka as a young man I found a book in Soviet Georgia. It contained a detailed drawing of the <laughs> city of Zinj. A, a detailed drawing. It is the city of Zinj. City of Zinj. The city of Zinj. The city of Zinj. <laughs> I, right, I, I can't. I've spent all day listening to that. The city of Zinj. <laughs> Detailed. Just, honestly, detailed, I'm looking forward to a detailed rundown of this uh, movie very soon. <laughs> I just... He is complete box office in this film. Um, FYI, FYR, FYI, um, the character of Herkima Homolka is not in Crichton's novel. Oh, well, he missed he a trick. Is a, <laughs> he is... This is why um, the screenwriter won a Pulitzer. His creation of Herkimer <laughs> Homolka. 
The thing is, as well, there's absolutely no reason for him to be there. Really, no. like no, no, they've just no. put a wrinkle in that, like, basically, we don't need a subplot that the uh, Doctor Elliot couldn't afford to take Amy to the Congo. No, like, like it just doesn't need to be there at all. No, like, that's the only reason, isn't it? That is the only reason yeah. to get him to give him the money to get to the yeah. yeah. It's true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's you've already uh, got two dueling expeditions. That's fine. Like, oh, let's throw in a third one and they lost city. Like. <laughs> uh, can I point out this point? I, I am uh, super aware of this film's flaws. But I, I love every single minute of it anyway, so I'm not not even going to go there with how much I love this. Um, so where were you up to with with what goes on? Oh, when God, we got where... to the Congo. I mean, all all hell go breaks loose. Um, yeah, there's a coup in yeah, in yeah. progress when they land in Africa. <laughs> uh, and then it's one bad thing after another. Yeah, there's a hippo attack. Hungry, hungry hippos. Wow. And there's a sky, there's a skydive bit, isn't there? There's, oh. With a gorilla, yeah. which is with a, brilliant. Yeah, with a gorilla. <laughs> there's heat-seeking flare guns going on. Oh, God. It's just, it's if, just if you, so much. No, this film process. has everything. It literally has everything. So, so much to process. You cannot be disappointed, which is worrying, James. At 12, you were like... At 10, like... I just didn't like it. <laughs> you know, like you know, something drastic has gone wrong here. If it has all this, and a ten-year-old doesn't like it, I mean, I think uh, I think my ten-year-old self was more discerning than my thirty-five-year-old yeah. self because I got a proper kick out of this yesterday. James, we didn't know each other at this age, but can you imagine me losing my mind at twelve over this, yes. and you at ten saying, "Grow up, Rob." Yes. This is so immature. Oh, it's so poorly plotted. That's clearly a soundstage. Well, that's uh, that is a big problem here. Um, like, I think. Um, oh, talk to me about Amy the Gorilla. Amy the Gorilla is one of the greatest characters ever created. <laughs> <laughs> Is this one of the purest representations uh, of man and beast love you've ever seen? <laughs> oh, my God. I remember watching a documentary on this about... I don't know the name of the chap who um, was in that gorilla suit who was an expert in imitating apes because it was supposed to be CGI because they were like, oh, we've done Jurassic Park, we can do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can, uh, yeah, we can definitely tackle Congo now. And then they spoke to the people who would actually be doing the CGI. They were like, don't be ridiculous. <laughs> we can't do that. <laughs> we can't do fur. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Michael Crichton originally pitched this back in the late 70s, early he 80s. Did, yeah. And he walked off the project when he was told he couldn't use a real gorilla for the character of Amy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I can see his point. Um, I mean, she's sort of half brilliant, half shocking, isn't she? I mean... <laughs> She looks like a sick pervert's toupee has developed sentience and motor skills, <laughs> but she's got the most realistic lips and mouth you've ever seen on a puppet. <laughs> That's what Dr. Elliot says, anyway. She's on the cigars, quaffing martinis and... Chugging martinis, because it'll calm her down. <laughs> that is chaos. Raindrop drink. Give me raindrop drink. I mean, the most the most mental bit of that s- section is like, why is the ape not in the cargo hall? It's just sat in first class with the rest of the passengers. And for, first class is four seats with a tarp across one end. Just, while she while she absolutely rinses Laura Linney, like 
Ugly okay. woman. Ugly. Ugly woman. Ugly woman. I think one of the reasons that this film fails is because it, um, it's got one of the most unimaginative looks I've ever seen in a major films. It's one of the flattest looking movies I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, that's that's and and which considering the pedigree is yeah. amazing. I just do not know how I that don't know happens. how that's happened because it's not like it's shot on a shoestring either. 50 million dollars back in the yeah, mid 90s yeah. is a substantial budget. Just by yeah. comparison James, do you know what the budget for Jurassic Park was? 63 million. Wow. So not a million miles away. Wow, that is I was yeah. expecting you to say like 80 or something. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> no. Yeah. Wow. So six, uh, so that will have been a huge budgeted movie back in 93. So two years on, 50 yeah. million. Yeah, it's not quite as much, but it should be enough that it doesn't yeah, look yeah, like yeah. a ride at Universal Studios, which it does for the most part. It really does look it, like that. You, no, you're absolutely <laughs> right. And it's got that really bad um, quality where you know the moments that they're not on location anymore. And yeah, it's like that cut in Big Trouble in Little China. <laughs> yeah, it is, oh, it is. A, Here's a lovely volcano. Bash, now we're in a soundstage. <laughs> and, and, but you know it immediately. And it sucks yeah. you right out of the film word, world and makes it feel cheap. And that's part of the problem, is it? Because I don't think that, um, you know, the performances, I don't think, are cheap. Uh, nothing cheap there. The best performances are the guys who are having an absolute whale of a time. You're absolutely know exactly right, what sort of movie You're they're making. So right. Ernie Hudson and Tim Curry are amazing in this movie. Laura Linney yeah. is, is still making the transition from being a TV actor. Yeah, yeah. To in, this is what this is her first like. She was in a Steve Martin movie before this, but then this was a big like big blockbuster, the yeah. first one that she'd made. And then, amazingly, her career went from strength to strength because... (laughs) Piggybacking (laughs) off the massive, big-budget success of Congo. Congo, yeah. (laughs) Primal Fear and what have you, and then she went from there, never looked back. And why ever would she? I I don't think she really knows what she's supposed to be doing in this movie. No, but she's she's selling everything. I mean, she's gone full Shawn Michaels mode. She's giving (laughs) it everything. It's so good. Uh, I think, as well... um, while we're on the topic of the uh, support actors, Ernie Hudson, right, he said this is his favourite character he's ever played. Yes, yeah. How good you? is that? Um, Eat shit, Winston. Yeah, <laughs> literally, how good is that? And this is all thanks to, you know, um, what's the screenwriter's name? Gary Shandl- Shandley? No, that's uh, you're thinking of Gary Shandling, the late you're, great comedian. Of you're absolutely right, I am. Um, John, pa- <laughs> John Patrick Shanley. John Patrick Shanley, thank you very much. Um yeah, apparently one of his insistences was he did not want the great white hunter in inverted commas character to be played by a white man because he was uncomfortable with yeah. the nature of such a character in the setting. Mm. Whereas he he insisted it be played by a black man, and that gives rise to that absolutely brilliant line that Hudson gives, which is that I'm the great white hunter. I just happen to be black. <laughs> it's, it's, I'll, you know all this, like, give Idris Elba the James Bond thing? Forget, give it Ernie Hudson. <laughs> now, right now, 74 now. years old the man is. Uh, he's unbelievable. In, in this film, he is absolutely box office. He is very good. He is awesome. Like, his accent's great. Also. And he's, he's so, like, 
He just owns the whole thing, doesn't he? The whole thing. As soon as he turns up, you're like, oh, all right, okay, this guy knows exactly what he's making here. When him and Joey Pants turn up... Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's that great section in the middle, isn't there? Yeah. It's such a shame he's not in it as much as well. I know. Yeah. He must be a friend of the director's and he probably just turned up on set and he just went, right, we're just going to put you in a Hawaiian shirt and just be yourself, Joey, and then we'll get the scene <laughs> yeah, yeah. it. I don't, when the monkey talks, he says something like, whoa, 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 I feel the money hairs on the back of my neck going, woo, woo, woo. Yeah. <laughs> He's super. He's so he, good. And he, he gets to deliver this uh, this 12's uh, F-bomb as well. Yes, he does, yeah. Which is sort of hidden underneath the sounds of gunfire that just suddenly breaks <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Incidentally, violent for a 12, this. Oh, it is. Yes. Well, there's, there's, there's ape on ape violence that's... <laughs> Ape on human violence. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of like sneaky off-screen violence, isn't there? And you just see the aftermath oh, yeah, yeah. of it, like eyeballs and, and, and like, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, pieces of people lying all over the place. There's some terrible ape on herkama hermulka violence. <laughs> there's some terrible laser on ape violence. Yeah, it. there really is. And there's also some appalling verbal violence between Delroy Lindo and Tim Curry. <laughs> Stop eating my sesame cake! <laughs> yeah, right. Let, let's give this the credit that it's due. So, the guys are trying to get into the Congo to return Amy slash find um, Bruce Campbell, but they have to bribe a uh, warlord. I assume this guy is in order to get through the checkpoint, and he they have the most aggressive afternoon tea I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> In which, uh, 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 in a brilliant cameo by Delroy Lindo, and he's like, "Stop eating my sesame cake." <laughs> it is it, it the sound so effect good. though when Tim Curry has to like yeah. gob it out. It's like, yeah. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, why is he at the table? Why is he there? He's not important to this. Like you know, he was in the movie because he he had credit to help them. As soon as he needs to pay for something, he's like, I have a problem with my credit flow. (laughs) Right, we don't need you. You're staying here. No, no, we'll take you. This is the thing. I don't know why he's in it, because as soon as that happens, and Laura Linney just bankrolls the whole thing. Like, she's got, like, a duffel bag full of 50s. (laughs) (laughs) But does she have the outrageous... Well, no, I mean, like, the look of... Because Curry's gone for a sort of... A more athletic Jeremy Beadle look in this film. <laughs> you know, that's a, uh, oh god, that's so accurate. That is so. It accurate. is like the, the you know he does look quite Beadle. He does look film. very Beadle. Beadle is indeed about. Yeah, you know, Beadle, Beadle was on the list. He was on the short list for this. If Curry passed, it was called Beadle. <laughs> you know, I love Tim Curry. Is from is he's from down the road from where I live. He's from Lim in Warrington. Um, you know, he moved to California and now he's living it up. He's know. never looked back. Oh, well, no, he, he left us all behind. He forgot his roots. No, he didn't really. No. On the subject of Tim Curry, his accent, his amazing accent. I don't, this is so obscure. I don't suppose you guys ever seen or played uh, a Command and Conquer game. Yes. Called, yeah. Is it when he played a Russian general? When he played a Russian general. Oh, oh yeah, my yeah. God. That is just because as soon as I heard that accent, that was just like that. The whole like highlights reel on YouTube of of his his cutscenes <laughs> from Command and Conquer in his Russian accent. <laughs> so good. Oh god, so so good. We get to a point where this film contains one of the most rare of cinema deaths. What is it, James? You've actually already mentioned it. Rare cinema deaths. Uh, 
Yeah, I could, rare ways of dying in films. I couldn't find another example of this. An ape being cut in half by a laser? <laughs> no, no, human, human death, human death. Oh, right, because um, I hadn't seen that before. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you haven't seen that before, you're in luck with this film. <laughs> yeah. A diamond laser. It's very James Bond, that diamond laser. Yeah, yeah. A, a very rare, oh, I don't know, you're going to have to... Oh, hippo attack. Yes, I've never seen another hippo death in a film. Have you? But they're, no, no, I, I they're known to be very ruthless, though, aren't they? Yeah, but n- not yes. very easy to film. <laughs> you yeah. know, and, 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 but in this, it's pretty harrowing. You know, massive hippo attack, lots of shaky cameras. I mean, I assume that there were some uh, puppet hippos knocking about on this production. Yes, uh, it was a very, very hungry hippo. <laughs> Um, Just a massive one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Spielberg. <laughs> yeah, Spielberg on the thing. He did one day on set, that's all he wanted to do. He could direct it, but he was like, I'll operate the hungry hippo for you if you want. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but no, hi- hippos are no joke. I remember watching a nature documentary back in the day, and apparently a hippo's uh, jaws are so powerful, they could bite a crocodile in half. Now that Which is a fact I've always remi- remembered. So why is there not being like a massive, big budget Hollywood hippo movie? <laughs> because no one would take it serious. <laughs> exactly. Despite them being so dangerous, it's like a massive bald care bear in the wild, like killing people. You just, I'm not taking that seriously. Yeah. No way. I mean, before they actually get to that bit, we've uh, overlooked the skydive where um, <laughs> Hudson has to jump out of the plane with a heavily sedated gorilla that apparently <laughs> woke up halfway down and bit him to pieces. But we didn't see that. We got <laughs> Ernie Hudson had to, re- had to uh, relay that to Elliot later on. Really. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. yes, yes. She got it, yes, yes, she got it. That, that whole skydiving bit, it, it's just, there's, there's so many mad sequences in this film, isn't Honestly, it? Honestly, yeah, it's one of the craziest And it's because they're getting shot out of the sky. It's like a checklist of, of a mad jungle adventure. We've got, a, we've got a jungle adventure movie, what can we do? Hippos, yep, go, yep got those. Skydive, yep, yeah, got those, yep. Yeah. White yeah, water yeah, rafting, yep, yeah. yep, yeah, got those, yep. Yeah. White water rafting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Volcano, yeah, we're going to use that later. There's going to be a volcano later, so we've got hot lava. <laughs> we're all over the shop here, covering all the bases. Just everything. <laughs> um, when when you said the phrase then, side jungle adventure, you reminded me of Roger Ebert's review. Do you yes. guys know this? Yeah, he... I know what rating you give it, but I won't. But See, go you, ahead, all you all avoided this. You all avoided this. Roger Ebert gave it three out of four stars, and I agree with a lot here, actually. Congo is a splendid example of a genre no longer much in fashion, the jungle adventure story. Um, The result, let me just have a look down here. The result is not a movie that is very good, exactly, but it's entertaining and funny. False sophisticates will scorn it. Real sophisticates will relish it. (laughs) That is from Roger Ebert. And I think what he's trying to say there is they know it's silly, you know. Um, They say He also says the actors have gone um, a step further, treating it like a movie that's a put-upon of itself. You know, like they know it's silly, you know, so Mm, we can enjoy it because of what it is. And that's like you were saying before about like the likes of Curry and Munro and you know well like you know I don't think Linny and what's his name Travis Walton um not Travis Walton he was abducted in fire in the sky <laughs> he, he looks l- like him though. he does look like him <laughs> so Linny and Travis Walton 
Uh, Pre-abduction or post-abduction. Don't know. I, I assume that means M&T Motors never happened. He went to become a primatologist. <laughs> Look, he's not a pound of sugar. He's a primatologist. <laughs> That's an actual line of dialogue in this movie. <laughs> From a Pulitzer, you know, Pulitzer Prize winning. Right. There's, there's hope for all of us. There's hope for all of us. <laughs> right. This, this, is, this is another curio. Do you think that one of the worst puppet effects in the film is Amy, whereas all the gorilla, all the other gorillas are all right? Yeah, but they're all shot sort of further away. Like, yeah, they, a lot of and those, emotion a, and a stuff. Lot of the, a lot of the killer gorillas, they look like blokes in suits, like they've just gone down Wivenshaw mm. Market and got a few gorilla costumes. It, <laughs> it looks like Harry and the <laughs> Hendersons. That's what those bad it gorillas does, look yeah. like. <laughs> they're all the people. You mean those <laughs> ugly gorillas? Ugly gorillas. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know what to make of it. <laughs> I love how she saves the day. It's really, really good. <laughs> really sad. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, so uh, the, uh, but people start getting offed by the uh, gorillas because they're the protectors of the lost city of Zinge, aren't they? And the mm. diamonds within. Yes. And they there's a volcano eruption and they make it into the mines and then they find where all the diamonds are and, like, Tim Curry's having a whale of a time. He's like, oh, oh the diamonds, the diamonds. Oh. <laughs> it was yeah. a real, it was a it city was of sin. She was a real legend. <laughs> unbelievable. Just <laughs> absolutely unbelievable. I waited my whole life to see the city of things. <laughs> and look, they are so detailed. <laughs> I think that set is brilliant. These diamonds are legit big. Well, uh, according to Laura Linney, they're the future of... Oh, sorry. The latest thing in communication. Unexplained. No reason why they would be. It's uh, it's the James Bond laser guns, isn't it? I I was so confused. (laughs) Is that explained in the novel, Rob? The the diamonds and the communication? I have to be honest, I've I've re-read the Jurassic Park bit of that double header a number of times, but I've never re-read Congo. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't his finest, to be honest. But um, it was still because it's from the great man. Then still enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so yeah. Uh, unfortunately, rest in peace, Herkimo and the rest of the Sherpas who get them to, uh, <laughs> to the Lost City of Zinge because they get absolutely hammered by these uh, <laughs> by these evil gorillas. Yeah, they beat the crap out of them. Uh, but then Laura <laughs> Linney has a plan, and she finds. Uh, the deceased mm. Bruce Campbell and his laser gun, which is helpful. Yeah. Gets one of these big old diamonds, shoves it inside, and then bush, let's put these on the endangered species list. And then starts she basically makes herself a proton pack, doesn't she, out of a diamond? She does, yeah, yeah, she absolutely does. Winston would approve. Yes, and starts capping fools. <laughs> <She laughs> these endangered but, but, You know, if we just look back into the film's logic itself, when Bruce Campbell had an eyeball thrown at him. He wasn't carrying the laser gun, was he? <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. So why is it in the cave? <laughs> why would the gorillas go back and get it? I assume the gorillas have dragged it down with them because they know it's a really tasty bit of kit and they're going to learn how to uh, use so, it. That's I mean, obviously evolved. gorillas are, are keyed into the latest thing in communication then, aren't they, really? It'll fetch them a good whack on eBay, they all, they all space Yeah, them, yeah. Um, we've, not, we've not, you know, the, we've missed out... Kind of. that They're a band of gorillas with a super violent bloodline, aren't they? You say we've missed out that. I wasn't aware of that, so I must have nodded. <laughs> I must have got distracted. <laughs> just thought they were a bit, a, a bit antsy. <laughs> a bit aggro. They're just mean gorillas. When Laura Linney and uh, Ernie Hudson and 
the, the, the clan, the rest of the clan, first meet Harry and the Hendersons and his mates. <laughs> that bit where they're in the cave, was that all jittery or did I have a really bad internet connection? Oh, no, I don't remember it being jittery. There was a scene where the, the, was... the gorillas first come in and attack them, and it's all like... No, no, it was, yeah. It was all, it was all like, shot, really shaky and out of focus. And, yeah, and, like, yeah, really, it, really, like... Yeah, it's absolutely terrible. Low shot speed, like, like one of the techniques you use in student films, and you're like, we don't need to. Yeah. Why have we done this? It looks ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that. Is that. Which bit are you talking about? In the tomb where, uh, what's his face, where the guy from True Lies gets killed and he comes running down the stairs like, everybody run! Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, because he gets offed pretty nastily. Oh, he, he does, gets yeah, yeah. His eyes get ripped out, don't they? And he's running down the... Yeah. Is he running down the thing with no eyes? Is that what... Yeah, yeah, and he's full of energy, and then when he runs oh. into the group, he dies instantly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then... A 12. A 12. And then the the Harry throws someone's head at them. Whose head's that? <laughs> it's Claude. It's Claude, the fellow that uh, the guy was speaking to before. Oh, Hansley. yes, it is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Claude, that's an unusual name for a guy from that country. And he goes, have you ever been there? He goes... No. Well, how would you know what's usual that's, and what's not that's right, gen- that's, that's genuinely funny. That's funny. That's funny blockbuster back back and two. That's nice. We enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah. I like that scene just before they go into the city of Zinch um, when they, um, you know, there's a, they set up a perimeter with lasers and they're watching yeah, yeah. them on the heat that's vision. That's quite good, yeah. yeah that yeah, is yeah. really good because the stakes are quite high. And Monroe is going, well, this is very interesting, and I'm enjoying this concept. <laughs> so nice. Oh, it, it, speaking of Monroe, there's a brilliant scene where uh, a silverback comes, and it's a brilliant uh, costume, this yeah. silverback. And it's jumping at, um, what's his name, Travis Walton? And, um, Dr. Elliot. Dr. Elliot, thank you. Jump it, you know, like trying to intimidate him, and, and Elliot stands there after um, Monroe has told him, you know, don't run away, you know. And, uh, he, you know, he turns around and he's by himself after the gorilla's gone. And Monroe comes around and says, well done. You know, where did you go? I ran away. <laughs> <laughs> Super. He's having the time of his life in this film. He is. He's having a lovely old time. Yeah, He's yeah. the best character. He's so good. Easily, he is really, yeah, really good. I, I, but I'd, I'd watch a series of films of him in Africa trying to make things work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just going on crazy adventures, and yeah, not taking yeah. any of it very seriously. Yeah, not, not, never, 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 never. But how's he? Because everyone knows who he is. I want to hear his backstory. Maybe the yeah, Monroe yeah. prequels would be amazing. <laughs> I think you know, there's there's this massive smackdown with CGI lava, which at the time was amazing. I seem to remember. Yeah. Um, and in so many ways, it still is because I don't really have a reference point for lava. <laughs> Smashing people up. Well, um, I have uh, uh, the Tommy Lee Jones volcano movie where a guy falls in it yeah. and then he melts into the lava. Oh, that's the yeah. that's the big scene for me. Oh, I've when, not when seen that actual lava. You're also you're also forgetting uh, Dante's Peak, uh, starring Pierce Brosnan and Linda Hamilton. That's also a, vo- a volcano movie. <laughs> There's lots of lava in that one. But is well. that? A, I mean, is it any better than the lava in this film? I, I don't know. <laughs> no, it's a genuine question. I just don't know. It's weird. I, I, I stayed at a travel lodge over the summer. Sorry, it's quite partridge, that oh, wasn't it? You know, uh, big spender uh, <laughs> with my wife and three kids. 
don't you worry, guys. You know, I'm unlike da- Partridge, Daddy's looking after you. Yeah, um, and uh, you know, as I was on the uh, signing the things at the front, the woman, on the, you know, she said on the till like her favourite film was Dante's Peak. It's quite <laughs> stuck with me a bit that you know, like so deeply random. <laughs> to be offered that, like we weren't even talking about films. Just like now, my favourite film is Dante's Peak. Like, I'm glad to hear it. I, I'm going to go back to my room with my wife and family now. <laughs> I'd watch Dante's I'll... Peak. Nope. Uh, uh, yeah. No, I will not. Do, they, no, do we'll you have it on that. the TVs? <laughs> oh no, you don't have TVs in the room. Sorry, that's an absolute diss. That's not true. We can't say that because hopefully Travelodge will sponsor our next episode. <laughs> Free accommodation for all. Um, I think the set at the end is really good. It's like a coliseum with sand at the bottom and diamonds in it and loads of, like, apes running around and they're all getting waxed by Laura Linney with the James Bond laser. Yeah, which is super brutal. But, like, when they, when it, uh, obviously the volcano's erupting at this time and, like, all the walls are moving, did it not just remind you of, like, the earthquake ride at Universal Studios? Oh, man. Everything just looked like it would just fit back into place again, like, reset. <laughs> yeah. Right, get yeah, the next yeah. lot through. Back yeah, up. yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then uh, Amy gets off with the big gorilla and they escape in a hot air balloon. Yes, and he has to wave goodbye to her. Yeah, yeah. And she's not because that bothered, she's really. She's forever like, macking. Where did, the, where did the hot air balloon come from? I thought she'd left the hot air balloon because Joey Pants r- mentions it when he's loading her up with oh, yes. 400 yeah, pieces yeah. of cargo and I'm pretty sure she said, I don't need the balloon. <laughs> she did say, I don't need the balloon, yeah. So did he just pack it anyway? <laughs> like... What a terrible, terrible mercenary. <laughs> Awful mercenary arms dude, dealer, man. So is that I'll a continuity error, or have we misunderstood this silly film? <laughs> I, I think it's on us, because um, no way would a Pulitzer Prize winning screenwriter <laughs> make such an error. So no it's on us, holes. this one, guys. No plot holes in no, There won't be any, there won't be any. Um, and they all live happily ever after, apart from, you know, I assume that within minutes... Um, Amy has become sort of the object of everyone's affection and everyone's, you know, all the girls yeah. are killing each other to try and <laughs> get to the, the girl that speaks. <laughs> oh, no, she didn't have the... Yeah, yeah, ugly, she's just a, She's going to teach them all, after she's finished macking, she's going to teach all the gorillas how to talk. And uh, you say everybody's happily ever after, but uh, Laura Linney's ex-fiancé is dead. And she's got no job because she's just blown up the satellite because that nasty man wasn't bothered about her ex-fiance being dead. And Elliot's just lost his lover. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> Monroe is having a great time. He's having Monroe's a lovely time. Happy. He's like, happy. He's like, everyone else is traumatised. He's just like, just another day at the office. <laughs> <laughs> and this should have begun a series of films about his adventures in the Congo. Yeah. That's right, that's right. Can I get? I'm gonna. Um, I'm gonna surprise you boys. Well, not surprise you boys. Sorry, that sounds terrible. I'm going to ask a surprise question in a second. But firstly, can I get your favourite bit, please? So easy, easy favourite bit. When they're in the plane and Ernie Hudson gives Amy a cigar, <laughs> <sighs> and she's just like there smoking a fat one, and like she's but. They're all sat in the seats, but she sat on the floor. And it's just like the way she's looking up with this massive cigar in it. And she's just like, and then he says to her, 
is it um not the doc the doctor's like assistant says like oh don't inhale amy and then she looks at him as if she already knows and just goes yeah <laughs> genuinely one of the funniest things i've ever seen <laughs> again further proof this film has everything yep. james uh, i mean mine is another um amy centered scene so uh, i've already sort of touched on it already but when they decide that they're going to fly from the States to to the Congo, Amy sits in first class with the rest of the passengers, like a regular person. Like, like it's not going to be an issue at all when the huge gorilla needs to take a shit mid-flight. <laughs> I can't see that being a problem at all. But my favourite bit is her demanding a dirty martini from Dr. Elliot, <laughs> which she calls rainbow drink. And then- and then he goes and gets her a martini and puts three olives in it as well for her. And then Laura Linney's like, is that gorilla having a martini? He's like, she can have one. It'll relax her. <laughs> like a controlling husband. <laughs> like, it's the most messed up scene I've ever... It's, it's fantastic. I laughed my head off. I couldn't stop laughing. And then she watched King Arthur, Legend of the Sword and had a great time. <laughs> Gosh, I can't. It's very hard, you know, in a film that's got this much going on in it to pick one bit that I like the most. I don't. I don't really know. I, oh, it's so hard because I've literally put in my notes here, ask the lads what their favourite bit is, and I've just left it blank for myself. I just don't know <laughs> what to put. All of it. I, I, no, I'm gonna just literally at any minute Tim Curry is on the screen. Yeah, <laughs> any any, any actual second that he's involved. Um, from the sesame cake stuff to when he actually dies. He makes a hilarious sound when he dies. Oh! <laughs> Crush. We must follow the gorilla where she leads us. She has been here before. She has seen the eye of Zinja. Uh, it's superb. I just want it all intravenous into the veins right now. Um, I think your favourite bit's actually um, cross over onto my second question, which what's the funniest bit of the film for you? Um, yeah, so outside of that, I can't, I can't deny that I laughed my head off when she started, when Laura Linney started zapping all the evil gorillas. <laughs> I, gen- I genuinely hadn't seen that before. Like, and when she, she actually saws one in half with the laser. She does, she does. <laughs> There's hands flying everywhere, it's limbs like, going. Super, it's super graphic. <laughs> really, really, one hundred percent enjoyable because you know it's just some bloke in a Harry in the Hendersons <laughs> spray painted <laughs> costume. So yeah, superb. I think the the, the bit the, the 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 like uh, afternoon tea with uh, Delroy oh, Lindo so is good. very oh, yeah, very yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Such good You're going to struggle to top bit. that, really. Yeah, yeah. And they're all they're all in on it, aren't they? You know, there are all the actors are in on how silly it is. And Do you think Frank Marshall's enjoying... in on how silly it is? No, I don't think he is. <laughs> Does he think he's making think Jurassic Park? I think he might be thinking that. That's the problem here. Everyone else knows they're just you know making some absolute hokum. Um, <laughs> That's going to make 150 million at the box office. Yeah, can uh, I can I go to can I go to conspiracy corner again? Uh, yeah, welcome go. back mm, to mm, Simon's conspiracy mm. corner. 
Oh, I've not got any tinfoil. They just... <laughs> Can we make this a regular feature, please? Yeah. They just made this on the back of Jurassic Park and went, yeah. we can easily at least double our money here. It's guaranteed. It doesn't matter how shit the film is, how much effort we put in, <laughs> we're going to make money. So let's just do it. We may as well have a laugh whilst doing it. <laughs> yeah, that's why Frank Marshall directed it. Keep the cost down from that side because they didn't need some big-time director Therefore, there's no egos on set in terms of that. Your cast is all... There's no A-list cast, is there? It's all, no, there isn't. It's all, like, sort of character actors. Uh, yeah. So you've you've got no egos there. Um, Ernie Hudson's loving life because he's got, like, a, a massive role and he gets to do yeah. an accent. Yeah, it's like a lead role almost, yeah. Oh, such a legend. Tim Curry's just maximum Tim Curry. Yeah. <laughs> so they're just like, like yeah. you know... I've never been on a film set, but been on like small shoots and stuff. You just try and make it as fun as possible, and I just reckon yeah, that's yeah. what they all did. They were like, "Well, let's just have fun, and let's just, let's just oh, make it that. make a serviceable movie." And in the marketing, we'll tell everyone it's from the writer of Jurassic Park. And yeah, then yeah. Jurassic yeah. Park was probably still in cinemas, given how successful it was. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. Two years, probably still doing another rotation. <laughs> yeah. So true, so true. Gar- guaranteed money. Why not have a bit of bit of a laugh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now, at this point, give me time, that laser. Time. Let's cut some apes in half. <laughs> at this time, if you put Michael Crichton on the poster for anything, yeah, 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 it's box office. Absolutely. Um, if I were to pick my funniest bit in this film, it's um, at the beginning. It's the company that Laura Linney and Joe Don Baker, who plays her boss, works for. I'm almost crying laughing during this sequence because the suggestion is that it's a massive telecommunications uh, corporation. Yeah. And that Joe Don Baker is the boss and all this kind of stuff. And they found something, you know, and <laughs> she calls him in, Joe Don Baker, and he appears on a golf tr- golf buggy in in a like in ba- in chinos and a and a like a blazer and he's holding a putter well therefore you know he's come from the golf course <laughs> and there's all this talk about how massive the company is and they walk <laughs> through an abandoned <laughs> area it's just an abandoned sort of courtyard for this massive skyscraper and the shit you know like, oh yeah there's millions of dollars at stake you know there's no one here <laughs> and they look like a pair of idiots wandering through this graveyard of <laughs> Of business uh, before they get in there. Um, and Joe Don Baker's still got his putter right the way through the scene. And it's just at that point, it's exactly that moment where, I, where I'm agreeing with all you guys have just said. They're all in on this. They all know how silly this is and how hokum it is. And just they're all enjoying it. And uh, uh, t- to be honest, I'm looking at that bit with the... the the blank spaces in front of these business buildings in dawn light. And it looks to me like they clearly only got permission to shoot at dawn. <laughs> you know, when there'd be no one there. And, uh, oh, it's brilliant. It just makes me laugh every time. It's probably the offices at the studio, so they have to shoot before everyone actually comes into work that day. That's <laughs> the one. I'm sure there'll be a thing behind this. Uh, so what, when did Joe Don Baker start his round of golf at four in the morning? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, it's just mega. Um Boys, FYR, for your reconsideration, what are we saying? So, I don't indulge in recreational drugs, but there were times during this film <laughs> that I felt as if I may have accidentally ingested something. 
genuinely, it's one of the funniest films I've ever seen. Whether that's intentional or not, you'd have to ask the people who made it, but I laughed a lot. Ernie Hudson and Tim Curry are having a whale of a time, and Amy the Gorilla is one of the most brilliant creations ever committed to film. Objectively, (laughs) it's absolutely terrible, but it's a good kind of terrible, and I'd be lying if I said I didn't enjoy it, so on that basis, I can only say yes to reconsideration. James, I can't believe this! I cannot believe this! I mean, I don't know whether we've broken you. <laughs> I cannot. Oh. I genuinely found it hilarious. What can I say? Like, I had a good I time with it. it. Like, it's not a comedy, Brilliant. but I thought it was really funny. <laughs> That's, it is really funny. Oh, Dave Maid, Sai, what are you thinking? Yeah, I've, I think uh, Ebert is, is onto something with this one. Because it's like, watch it. <laughs> With an open mind, I don't know. Like you, you, you know, like, <laughs> make no bones about it. It's a shit movie. <laughs> oh yeah, there's so much about it. What's just like so brilliant? Yeah, yeah. Like, did that just happen? There's so many of those moments. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Did they do that? You know, it, go- it, it goes from set piece to set piece in like a really entertaining fashion. Uh, especially when they get to the jungle. I think after after the whole sort of setup is done. And you're in this jungle slash uh, Californian soundstage, or whatever it is. <laughs> it's just, it's just really, really funny, um, and it's all worth it just to watch uh, a guy in a gorilla suit with an animatronic face smoke a cigar and blow smoke <laughs> into Laurel in his face. It's a weird fucking movie. So fucking weird. But uh, there, there was one uh, liner on Letterboxd. This is from someone called Heather. Uh, who gave it three stars, who sums it up for me absolutely perfectly. What a fabulous pile of nonsense. (laughs) (laughs) Heather, you're cut from our kind of cloth. (laughs) That's fantastic. Um, I am beaming ear to ear, because I didn't think this would get unanimous approval from the famed FYR podcast. Um, For my part, obviously I bought this forward, but um, any movie that features... This mismatched band defending themselves against a band of gorillas with this super violent bloodline while a volcano erupts in the lost city of Zinch, um, <laughs> which is like a coliseum with a diamond mine at the bottom of it, only to saved by another gorilla that's got a Stephen Hawking style voice computer thing attached to it. <laughs> I cannot hate a movie that does that. There's just no way in my life I'm going to be able to do it. Uh, there's so much to enjoy here. I think the yeah, you guys have hit the nail on the head with Hudson and Curry just smashing it out of the park and having a whale of a time. And this is um, oh, it's just like bonkers, silly escapism. And uh, yeah, more please. So Frank Marshall, uh, whenever you want to step back into the saddle, um, yeah. we'll we'll be <laughs> we'll be right there. When you get bored of producing good movies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> why don't you direct one of your own again. bonkers masterpieces? <laughs> oh, I'm absolutely made up. Um, so yeah, that is against all odds a universal, unanimous uh, recommendation from this podcast, and I'm staring into space like I can't believe it. Anyway, boys, you've made my evening. Thanks for listening, everybody. Um, I hope you had as much fun as we clearly did tonight hit us up on twitter at fyrfilmpod emails at reconsiderpod at gmail.com and as Ringo Starr famously said send us some peace and love peace and love 
on your podcast review section by way of five lovely stars. And as I think I'm not sure that works because when Ringo Starr said that, he's actually telling people he wouldn't be signing any autographs or tat anymore, but he still said so with peace Please and love. Peace Please and love. Please love. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, figure it out for yourselves. Anyway, say goodbye, boys. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> goodbye. Boys, have you seen that? Video no, uh, no but I do enjoy the fact that you're keeping in theme with tonight's movie and doing an outro that's equally as ramshackle and thrones again. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely love it. <laughs>